Yeah. And the timer is set to tilt the dish with the mercury. Four and a half minutes. <laughs> yeah, we got to get inside and stop that timer. Hi, quite a lot of people wanted me to do a follow-up video to this uh, gas leakage uh, detector teardown which got a lot of views and uh, I asked in the uh, comments there if you'd like me to see me actually um, doing a project actually getting this uh, display in here this uh, five digit seven segment LED display to light up and well I'm not going to use the magic uh, BOMB word because that uh, could get detected by the YouTube algorithm and demonetize me so Anyway, I mean that's this is what I'm going to do. Uh, we're going to uh, do a project actually driving this display and uh, seeing if we can have some fun having a, like a countdown timer and there are a lot of really good uh, suggestions in there for all sorts of stuff like you know if you try and move it or whatever movement sensor it it counts down quicker and stuff like that and it ticks and does all sorts of uh, weird and wonderful things. So yeah, we can um, call it the MacGyver. Uh, project I guess at this stage but if you've got a better name uh, leave it in the comments down below for this uh, that a better name that's not going to get me flagged on the YouTube algorithm so anyway this is uh, part one where we're going to uh, reverse engineer the board in here and see what the interface is because we might as well reuse the board like I could design a new board that goes in there but what's the point like we've already got the board it's already done um, and dusted so we can just design a board that actually plugs into here but we need to know what the pinout here is and like how to actually drive this thing so that's the point of this video and it just sits in here and we've already got like this nice little uh, foam surround here like this we've got an infrared um, a transmitter and an infrared receiver as well so we can actually uh, control this remotely um, and of course there's tons of room in here for like a huge amount like a big large primary ba battery none of that rechargeable rubbish even though they're lead displays if you've got a large primary battery pack in there it'll last for like you know well a decade well anyway we can measure the current that'll be another video and uh, you know just seeing how much sharp power this thing's actually going to take but we've got a five digit seven segment led uh, display there this is part one of video we're going to look at reverse engineering this and you can see due to the shine on the board that means it's conformally coded anyway i'm going to whack this in the uh, do-it-yourself light box which i'll link in up here and down below if you haven't seen it um and we'll get some high-res photos of this and then we'll do some reverse engineering let's go okay so we've got the board out here and as it so happens, this is actually the second time I'm recording this because I recorded a full 50 minute version of this video. I was going to release it, but I thought maybe it's too long because there's probably two types of people who are watching this video. One is those that want to see like my process actually reverse engineering this and that's what's in that 50 minute video. And there's quite a few uh, surprises in here actually and I'll talk briefly about them here. But if you want to full see the full reverse engineering 50 minute video, I'm going to release that on my EEV Blog 2 channel. So that'll be linked in down below and up here. Go and check it out. And I'm releasing a ton of content recently on EV Blog 2. So if you're not subscribed over there, I've already passed 100,000 subscribers, but there's a ton of content over there you're missing out on. Anyway, here is the board here. There we go, isn't it cute? And we're gonna drive this sucker. So we need to reverse engineer and get the pin out for uh, this connector up here, which is a 10 pin flat flex jobby. And as you can see here, um, each 
seven segment display here gets its own driver chip and these are 74HC164s. These are classic Jelly Bean serial shift registers. So these are not latched as we'll go into in a minute. So each one of those is dedicated to a seven segment display plus the decimal point. So where it was, we need eight outputs and this is an eight bit shift register. So you feed data in and actually this is the data input uh, pin over here, pin one and two on the chip. And then you can see that it it actually cascades out to the next, so from the previous chip out to here. So you have to feed in serially eight bits into here and then shift it, shift it. So if you want to turn on eight segments over here, you've got to feed in your eight bits into this chip and then clock it all the way through until it gets over to here. And there's no output latches, so you have to blank the display, which we'll talk about shortly. But anyway, um, so there's not much on here. So this connector basically has clock and data for uh, these five driver chips here. And uh, we've got an infrared uh, receiver here and an infrared transmitter LED here. This here is just one of those uh, modules. So it's got the modulation circuitry or demodulation circuitry and everything built in. And it's just a single data line um, out of that thing. And we've got some uh, filtering here. This is filtering for the digital rail. This is filtering for the uh, receiver. And this is uh, just some decoupling filtering for the uh, LED drive. Cause they actually have separate supplies and we might go into it. Then we've got a driver tranny there, which just drives the um, infrared uh, transmitter led here and Bob's your uncle right so it's very simple now and all this shiny stuff here this is actually conformal coat and you'll see in the other video had a bit of problem actually uh, probing these you need really sharp probes to pierce through the conformal coating otherwise you can actually get chemicals to actually um, you know strip it away either selectively or the entire board but just sharp probes to get through so you could come a guts are there um, if you don't really you know you could miss probing points when you're reverse engineering something like this so a brief look at what we've got here the 74HC164 classic jelly bean 8-bit serial shift register and it does not have an output latch like you might get on say the uh, 595 uh, for example which is much better so as you can see here um, we've just got um, two data inputs here that AND gate just helps here for various uh, circuit configurations but in this particular case you saw it there the two pins were tied uh, together and the data just gets shifted through from the D input to the Q output on this flip floppy here every time your clock pulse goes positive uh, and you can tell you don't even have to look up the table above um, here which is the uh, state table here to actually uh, get this because the clock pulse input there's no knots on there there's no knot on there a knot is a that little circle with an inverter like you can see here on the uh, MR and the master reset uh, pin here so you know if there's no it's just buffering straight through into the clock it's positive edge triggered. So on the positive edge, the data on the input pins one and two here gets shifted to Q0. And then you do another clock pulse, it gets then whatsoever is on Q0 here gets shifted through to Q1 and so forth. It just gets shifted through and through until you get to the output. Now, the problem with this, of course, is that when we actually uh, want to drive this thing, um, when you're shifting data through, if you've got this connected to your LED display and it's on, then 
you're going to see this data shift through now of course you can actually shift it through like really quickly like in a millisecond and then you could like have it displayed for 999 milliseconds for example and then shift it through again you know however quickly you want to update the uh, data in the display or you can only update when it's changing um but yeah technically you will actually see that data shifting so you want to actually do some sort of uh, display blanking usually and the seven segment displays uh, for those playing along at home are some old HP jobbies, HDSP U113. And if we go over to here, we can actually see that, uh, here we go, here's the data sheet. These are uh, HP ones and we've got the U113, which is this one here, like this, their common cathode right hand decimal black surface. And sure enough, yep, <laughs> right hand decimal black surface. That's exactly what we've got. Now, of course, the one thing you won't find on this board are any dropper resistors for the LED display. And here is one of the first quirks with this uh, design and interfacing with this, because we want to design a board that just, you know, interfaces over here. But it's not that simple. There's no LED dropper resistors in here. Look, there's none. So it's connected directly up to the chip. And, spoiler alert, here is the schematic. Ta-da! Well, you know, it's, it's the pinout for this finished board here. So this is the uh, 10 pin connector here, pin one here, pin 10 over here. And uh, we've got VCC data and uh, clock and ground here on two, three, and four. So they all go to, the VCC goes to the um, rail of the chip. I don't know whether it's not 3.3 or five. We'll talk about that in a minute because it's gonna make a difference. Um, how we actually power this thing. So this isn't a full schematic. What I haven't shown here is that the infrared transmitter has got its own VCC. It's got its own VCC pin, um, and then that's actually filtered. That's got one of these uh, filter cap. I think it's that one there, and that 47 ohm resistor there um, is the filter for the infrared uh, transmitter. And then, then we get the data back on uh, pin 6 here, so that's the infrared data coming back in like this. Actually, that should be IRTX on there. Um, so what happens here? Here's, here's my original one, which you'll see in the other 50 minute uh, video here. They've actually, this is the driver transistor over here, Q1. Okay. And they're driving that. I don't know why they have a pull down resistor there. It's kind of redundant. Um, but yeah, pin one up here is actually supplying the power, separate power to the infrared LED up here. So maybe they're actually uh, driving those at um, their five volt rails and the digital uh, chip is the VCC. The VCC here is 3.3. Uh, I don't know, I haven't actually measured the main board which we've got here. So anyway, and I also didn't draw the common cathode pin there. So the common cathode pin, these are all joined together, okay? So all the displays from the common cathode uh, pins, they're all joined together on the five displays and they're going back to pin eight here, which is um, the common cathode lead. So there's no dropper resistors at all on this board. So, so if we supplied our VCC and our ground and we did clock and data, we'll be able to shift data into here and, and the displays will light up. Um, they could be a bit bright or a bit dim, depending on <laughs> how many segments we actually have turned on. Because in a good design, you want, you would have an individual lead dropper resistor on here. And I, they've got room on this board. They could have added a lead dropper resistor on there. I don't know why they didn't. They've got SMD here. They could have added like little SMD 
drop a uh, res resistor arrays and stuff like you know price is no object for this uh, product as you've seen in the teardown so yeah so th that's really piss poor design by not adding the lead dropper resistors in there um and then you could have had one uh, lead dropper in, you know, it's not that uncommon to find just one dropper resistor in series with each display. So you could have had like, if you didn't want um, 40 resistors on there, you could have had just five resistors and just had one uh, series lead dropper on here. But the thing is, it depends on how many segments you turn on here as to how many segments turn on. And if you've got the one dropper resistor, well, the current has to be shared between the different segments. So if you turn all eight segments on, including the decimal point, then you're going to get one eighth of effectively one eighth of the current uh, that you get if you just turn on one segment because like they're all essentially the same voltage drop so the series resistor would be calculated on the voltage drop and the supply voltage and any rds on on the output uh, mosfets inside here but so you could do it that way but they haven't even done that they've got no they've just connected all the common cathodes together and taken them back here and what they've done over here very briefly more detail on the uh other video is this uh they've got an N another npn uh transistor here right which goes down to ground and then they've just got a series uh, base resistor there and that's on the common cathode pin. I don't know what that part number is, what that part is. Anyway, it's basically an MPN transistor that goes down to ground with a base resistor on there. And um, <laughs> yeah, you could actually bias that. So it's like partially on. So in theory, you could actually, um, you know, control, it's not constant current. Okay, it's, this is not a constant current circuit, but you could actually control the current. Uh, but as I said, all that current is shared between all five displays on here. 45 eights of 40. 40 different LED segments have to be shared through that one <laughs> transistor there. So yeah, and this is supposed to be an outdoor readable display as well. So you would think that they want, you know, a decently high current. So I don't know how the heck they're doing it. But anyway, because this is under software control, you can actually uh, pulse width modulate uh, this thing. So they could be doing some sort of PWM in, but you would have to blank it when you actually um, shift the data in. The problem with the HC1664 is you can see the Q output here. It just goes to the output buffer. This is not designed, this chip's not designed for um, have a cascadable output. Okay, which some good uh, shift registers that are designed to be cascaded, they, they will actually have, uh, that pin will go out to another pin so it's buffered. Um, so it'll go out and you know, cascade to other chips. But in this case, no, we have to take the output from Q7. So what we have to do here is the data has to be tapped off here for the next chip and then so on for the next chip. But if you're driving current, out of this segment here, then you're going to get a voltage drop on there, um, which could impact the data that's being read by the next chip. So you want to be careful with that. So what is the output uh, resistance, output resistance of the uh, uh, mo output high side MOSFET um, inside these things? Well, uh, data sheets like this for the 7.4 series logic, they won't give you 
or 4000 or whatever it is, they won't give you an RDS on because that's just not a thing. These are not designed to draw a significant amount of uh, current. But you can actually calculate it um, using VOH, which is the high level output voltage here. And if we go, say, take 4.5 volts here, for example, okay, why they don't give you five? It's really annoying. <laughs> anyway, if, if we got a 4.5 volt supply voltage, okay, the typical output here, we could actually take worst case of 3.98, but let's, let's actually take the typical figure of 4.32 volts. So we can actually get our confuser out and we can go 4.5 volt, which is the supply voltage, minus 4.32, which is 180 millivolts, 0.18 volts, and then divided by 4 milliamps, which is our output drive, which is specified for, and that's 45 ohms. So um, yeah, it's 45 ohms effective output uh, resistance at four milliamps drive like this. But this can change depending on how many uh, outputs are being driven and at what current it's being driven and all sorts of things. So, you know, as so as I said, like at, at worst case, if you want to take worst case, it's, you know, almost four, your four and a half volts is dropped half a volt to four volts here. Um, and the thing is, here's another trap for young players, okay? If uh, you might look at your data sheet and go, oh, look at this continuous output current. I can drive plus minus 25 milliamps. I can have, I can drive these LEDs on here. I can drive 25 milliamps per LED. Whoa, that, yeah, we'll really see those in daytime. Uh-uh, doesn't work like that. Yeah, one single output can supply 25 milliamps. Um, <laughs> but what's the continuous current next? Line here, continuous current through VCC, 50 milliamps. Ah, uh, wah, 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 wah. You can only drive two outputs at the full rated IO current there. You can't drive all eight. So that's really annoying, okay? So uh, <laughs> to, so when we drive this thing, okay, we have to um, keep in mind how much current we're taking per pin. And the entire, the, like the whole chip can only take 50 milliamps. That's its absolute, absolute maximum ratings. So if you exceed those, you can come a gutter. Don't do it. So yeah, they're the things that we have to consider now that we've got our pin out and being able to uh, drive this thing. We have to decide what we're going to do with the constant current uh, lead drive here, um, how we're going to actually do that. As I said, you can't just hook up like a constant current circuit because, well, that's fine if you want to draw one lead, but then if you turn off 40, LEDs on, let's say you have constant current at 20 milliamps, okay, nice bright LED, right? No worries. Um, you turn on all 40 of them, that current has to be shared. <laughs> Kirchhoff's law must be obeyed. Kirchhoff's current law must be obeyed. I've done a video on that. Um, so that uh, 20 milliamps gets divided by 40 and suddenly you've got half a milliamp per segment and, and they're just piss weak output. So honestly, I don't know how in this actual original Banshee ultrasonic gas leak detector design, how they're actually getting like the all five displays on for um, like at, at an outdoor brightness level. Like, you know, you'd want to be driving these at like at least 10 milliamps or something per segment. And if they like, you, you just can't even, you know, PWM in isn't going to save your bacon. If you've got all those segments on, you could easily exceed the maximum uh, current of your um, 164 chips. So yeah, this is this is a really bad design. This is really piss poor. Like at the very least, you would have had one dropper resistor per, uh, you know, segment. 
right? So uh, like you'd have five resistors on there. For the, for the sake of five resistors, I don't know what drove them to, <laughs> I'm here all week, <laughs> what drove them to uh, <laughs> like implement it this way. It's, it's just nuts. So we can actually get the specs here for the lead here and you can see it uh, 20 milliamps uh, there. The voltage drop is uh, 1.8 volts and that goes down to 1.6 volts forward voltage drop at a lousy 1 milliamp here. So if we go over to what we've actually got here, as I said, we've got the five displays like this, which go up to the output pins of the 164s, okay? And they go directly to VCC. So let's just ignore that, you know, on resistance uh, kind of thing, right? Let, let's just assume that, you know, the nice and grunty output drive and it's gonna give us exactly five volts or 3.3 volts output, right? And we've got 1.8 volts at either 20 milliamps down to one point and it goes down a little bit with uh, current and but they've tied all of these pins together like this and so we've only got the one pin output that we can do something with and you just like and this is what they've got on the board here is just now they don't even have this, this resistor here okay they've just got this and of course um you know if you want to shift the data this can be used as a blanking so you switch the transistor off pull this uh, low it's not turned on and then the displays don't display anything so you've got your blank in there so you can shift in your data and Bob's your uncle right but as I said you've got 40 segments Eight LEDs in each one times five, 40 of them. And as you saw in the data sheet, you can only have 25 milliamps maximum output. So let's say 20, right, to make the numbers easy. So you can have your 20 milliamps here, okay? You've got, because you've got to, like, worst case, okay? You can't exceed that one pin worst case up here okay the one pin can only it can drive more okay it's not it's not a hard and fast limit but look you know come on right um let's just say it's 20 milliamps though let's just say you got the magic smoke's going to be released if you go over 20 milliamps so you can't have more than 20 milliamps coming out of one pin and if you decide that you want to turn all the segments on at once then that 20 milliamps has to be shared between 40 pins so that gets down to half a milliamps. There's no way around it. And then you've got to rely on the matching of the um, the matching of the voltage drop because you've got no current sharing resistors in there. Even although you you effectively do, it's called the output on resistance now. You know, so the output on resistance of the 164s is kind of like an acting like a like a ballast resistor, as it's called, a series ballast resistor, which helps uh, share the current. You know, as a general rule, it's naughty to put just LEDs in parallel because they don't share current evenly. They have to be matched at the semiconductor level, and there can be differences in the doping and all sorts of you know semiconductor physics physicsy things. Um, but if you get them from the same batch, they're reasonably matched and stuff like that. But yeah, generally you want a series resistor in there, a ballast resistor to at least help share the current evenly between the LEDs. But yeah, like, like, there's no way around it. If you want to turn them all on at once, then uh, yeah, <laughs> you're down to half a milliamp per segment. Um, it doesn't matter what you PWM here. You can't just go, oh, I'm going to PWM and drive these at you know, hundreds of milliamps. Mm, okay, you want to blow the output of your 164? <laughs> go for it. And even if you do some constant current circuit like this, you know, constant current dummy load, I've done the video on that. It's very popular. Everyone's almost certainly seen. Even if you do constant current, it makes no difference. I mean, it's, it's just, there, there's nothing going on here. Now, it might help, of course, to power the 161s from 3.3 volts instead of uh, 5 volts 
because they can work HC series, can work down to two volts, so no worries there. So what value uh, do you have to, like a dropper resistor down here for one segment, just one? If you power it from 3.3 uh, volts here, then you've got the ballast resistor up here, but let's just ignore that. Let's say you've got 3.3 volt supply, as a one point, so 3.3 volt supply minus your 1.8 volts on your lead. So what does this resistor here have to be, well, let's say you want 20 milliamps uh, current flow, then divide uh, 20 milliamps and get your confuser out, uh, work out that, and that's equal to 75 ohms like that. So yeah, you, you know, so you want a 75 ohm resistor in there to give you that uh, nominal 20 milliamps at 3.3 volts, ignoring any drop in your 161. But um, then, as I said, you start turning on the other segments and the current must be shared, Kirchhoff's current law. Yeah, so this kind of like really sucks. We're sort of like stuck with a meh um, display. So I don't know, like the only other way to do it would be, well, not turn on all 40 segments at once. They might actually be multiplexing the displays. You could actually multiplex them. You might go, um, well, okay, let's multiplex one display at a time. And then you're just constantly shifting stuff all the time. You blank, shift, blank, shift, blank, shift. And then, uh, you know, and then turn on, you know, you might turn on each one of these for 100 milliseconds or something like that, you know, 200 milliseconds, uh, for example. You might turn on each one of these digits and then shift in the data real quick. So I think um, that's really the only way, the only way forward, really is to like like multiplex these displays to ensure we don't have all 40 on at once and to sh like if we can limit it to one uh like one segment one display at a time then we've uh, reduced our our complex our uh, problems by a factor of 5 so you know one one fifth the problem so then we could easily you know but yeah if you just have them all at once with 40 you you you're screwed i mean <laughs> There's nothing we can do, really. So yeah, um, so if we want to use this actual display, unless we redesign it or bodge it in with dropper resistors or whatever, um, then yeah, I, I think we're probably going to have to drive, you know, if we want decent brightness out of it, we're going to have to drive like one entire segment and then multiplex it. And that makes it more complex and interesting, I guess, um, especially if you're doing it with uh, discrete logic. <laughs> but yeah, cool, huh? So anyway, um, we want to do a project reusing this board so yeah, we, we, we have to deal with this thing. So we're gonna decide how we're gonna do that. Leave it in the comments uh, down below how you think we should best approach this. I know there's people that say, just re-spin re this board, just re-spin it. What's, what's the big deal? I, do, I think it's the principle of the thing um, that we wanna reuse it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> thoughts and comments down below, please. And I wanna know uh, which direction you want me to take this project. Uh, we are just talking about this on the amp hour this morning with uh, Chris Gamble, and we can go several directions. In fact, we don't have to pick one. We can pick multiple, we can do multiple projects. You can have one project <laughs> over here, which um, is all, all discrete. We can drive this discreetly using discrete 7.4 series logic, or we could, uh, well, well, that's option one. We could do option two, which is uh, use a PLD or an FPGA or something like that to actually drive it. Once again, you're using discrete gates to actually do that. Um, option three is just a micro throw any <laughs> Joe Blogs microcontroller. Do you want to see the three cent paddock? Do you want to see a bloody um, thingamabob? Do you want to see a pick? Do you want to see an AVR? What do you what do you want to see? Um, and an interesting fourth one which was brought up on the amp hour uh, today was that uh, we could do like a that Raspberry Pi microcontroller, uh, that new jobby, not the Raspberry Pi itself, but the microcontroller version was RP40 something thing. And that's actually got um, logic output 
um, like a little configurable thing of logic output. So maybe this might be an interesting project for something like that. Um, so it's not just entirely software driven. We kind of like you were doing a little hardware output thing. Let me check the data sheet on it. Yeah, here it is here. Um, there are two identical PIO blocks. Each PIO block has dedicated connections in the bus fabric. Um, so yeah, okay. So we've got like state machine zero. So they've got little state machines here. Looks like they've got four state machines and then you can map those over to um, GPIO, just your regular IO outputs, you know. So maybe, you know, maybe we could do something like that. I don't know. Anyway, um, leave it in the comments um, down below how you want me to take this project. I may, of course, uh, decide to ignore the crowd and uh, just do my own thing, whichever interests me. But uh, no, please leave it in the comments down below. If you've got, where do you think, like if everyone says I should take it in a, you know, yeah, discrete, yeah, 74 series logic, yeah. Um, and <laughs> we, we can just drive it with 74 series logic or, uh, yeah, I, you know, and no, no Internet of Things wankery, please. No freaking Wi-Fi bullshit either. No, none of that rubbish, right? Um, I, I just want to drive this thing and maybe have a couple of, you know, interesting things like a tilt thing if it, you know, counts down faster if you tilt it or rock it. Anyway, leave your ideas down below what I can do with this thing. So anyway, hope you liked that video. As I said, there's a 50 minute version um, of this, which basically is me going through reverse engineering this and going through a bit more detail in the data sheets and um, other design aspects and um, stuff like that. Because this was interesting. When, when I find it, like, I assumed that this thing was designed a certain way and it, and it wasn't. Like, I, I did not see this coming, like, that it would have common cathode, you know, and all this and then be driven over here. And it's just, yeah, um, very interesting. Anyway, if you like it, Give it a big thumbs up, as always discussed down below. Catch you next time.